Like most of you, I spent you know, a little bit of time this past week uh, to reflect on 2020. And uh, I think the word unprecedented is the appropriate term that we are all sick and tired of hearing. Right? Like every time you read or see anything, it's like this unprecedented, this unprecedented. I'm tired of hearing it, but I think it does capture uh, 2020. So I want to recap a bit for you, and you'll understand why in a minute. But just on a national level or even global level, um, in 2020, we had, if you can remember that far back, last year at this time, there were incredible fires in Australia that burned millions of acres and killed millions of animals. And, and, I mean, it seemed like all of Australia was on fire. And firefighters were fighting it um, and going on. And then later on in the year, California had a bunch of fires as well, which, uh, which grabbed our attention. And then if you can remember, too, this time last year, the relationship between the U.S. and Iran was very tense. We were almost at war. And maybe with all that's going on, you're like, wow, that seems like years ago. But nope. When uh, Trump uh, uh, executed a, a strike on the military leader and he was killed, Iran was promised retaliation, and there was a whole bunch of stuff hitting the fan this time last year between us and Iran. And then back in uh, February, Trump was actually impeached, and then he was acquitted of charges. I don't know if you can remember uh, all of that political turmoil that was going on and, and, and items in the news. Uh, at the same time, we had, if, if you weren't aware, swarms of locusts in eastern Africa, the Sinai Peninsula, and the India subcontinent. That whole section of the world was being invaded by locusts, the worst seen in decades. Entire crops decimated, food supplies like non-existent, um, just, just craziness. And in the midst of all that, back in March, we had the wonderful worldwide pandemic, which we are still working through, COVID-19, right? And that came on, and all kinds of stuff happened and changed, right? We had shutdowns. Uh, we were shut down as a church, couldn't hold services for a couple of months. Schools were shut down. Businesses were shut down. Uh, we had quarantines. Uh, the, the, the requirement of wearing masks and social distancing came out and a, and a whole lot of other things around COVID which we are still working through. In the midst of that, then we had racial tensions, right? The, the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, of Breonna Taylor, of George Floyd, and of others sparked outrage and sparked pri- uh, protests and riots, um, at minimum, it forced all Americans and even others around the world uh, to evaluate where they stand where, uh, and, and investigate their own understandings and thoughts as it relates around it. You could not, as an American, go through and not evaluate yourself and how, what you believe and where you stand as it related to race. There's huge calls for action on all fronts. And then uh, probably something of the smallest of all these things, but caught my attention, was this huge explosion in Beirut that took like half, half the city. Like all of a sudden, boom, like the, there's now a whole new harbor in, in, in Beirut because of an explosion and the, the humanitarian aid that came in and actually caused the government, portions of the government to resign uh, as a, as a um, 
as a consequence of this. And then we have the continuing political debacle, right? Uh, not just the elections, but including the elections of just a country that is very divided against political ideology and, and how we go about that and uh, the, the primaries and then the election and then the ongoing content, uh, contentions around the elections. And as Jim said this morning, this week's going to be an interesting week, right? So all of these things happened in 2020, on the national level, this is, we're not even talking in your homes privately, right? We're talking just as a nation and in the world. And then at home, we're left to adjust to all the changes that are happening as a result of these things, right? Some of you had to work from home or continue to work from home. Some of you have had to adjust schedules and adjust expectations in the different realms that you operate in, whether that be at work or in your family or personal, or friends, or any of those kinds of things. Some of you have had to adjust in your relationships as friends and family members believe very differently from you, and all of a sudden now there's tension in relationships. You've had to make adjustments. Maybe you've had to make adjustments financially, right? This being in shutdown and not having work, and all of these kinds of things have resulted in having to uh, move things around and not operating as normal. You've also had to process what is happening locally and globally. And, and don't minimize the effects of processing things has on the human body and on the human mind. The what do I do with everything that's happening in the world and at home? How do I reconcile fires in Australia and locusts in, in Africa and explosions in Beirut and covid Worldwide, How do I process these things? How do I process the expectations and the changes and the things that are required of me? I don't even know how I feel about these. Do I think it's a whole big government thing or do I think it's a judgment of God or do I, do I not think either and I'm somewhere in the middle, right? The processing of all these things, not only personally, but then collectively. Because you're not an island to yourself, you now have to process these feelings with your family, you process these things with your workplace. You process these things with your, in your church. You process them in your school. You process them wherever you live. And sometimes each one of those units maybe thinks or believes differently. And then how do you live within that tension of, well, this group feels this way, and I kind of agree with some of this, and this group feels this way, and I kind of agree with this. And how do we process all of those things? And then once we've processed this, feeling in this need to proclaim our conclusions or our response to these things. Or maybe even to defend or justify why we are responding this way or coming to this conclusion, then many times even fighting for our conclusions and our responses. And I'm not talking just in politics or in race. I'm talking in all of the areas we've had to struggle with. You know you live in the world right now. You have friends who, who think it's the end of times, it's God's judgment on America and on people, and the day's coming any time now, right? There are some who believe it's a, it's a government conspiracy uh, to cover up. They're about to do some things, and there's a behind-the-scenes action that we're made unaware of, right? Uh, you have other people who believe that it's, it's, it's a result of us. Like, personally, we need to change and do some things, and there's all of these tensions, 
And judging from social media, most people are happy to see 2020 in the rearview mirror. Right? Most people are thrilled to death. I mean, the day on New Year's Day, as I was flipping through social media, the the celebration of 2020 being behind was at an all-time high. Like, thank God that year is behind us. Now, we still have today. Today still feels like it did in 2020. (laughs) But there's something about 2021 that says, oh, it's a new chapter. And there's a hope and an anticipation uh, that 2021 has to be better than 2020. I love the meme that says, it shows like the, uh, the 2021 baby kicking the old 2020 guy out. And as the 2020 guy is one, he's like, he's like, I set the bar really low for you. You're welcome. Right? Like, how could it get any worse? We all are hoping for a better year. Why am I talking about all of, about all of this? Because my observation has been this, that most people are tired and or thirsty. And you say, well, what do you mean about that? I think people are just tired. They're worn out from dealing with all of it. Right? They're tired physically. They're tired emotionally. They're tired relationally. They're tired spiritually. They're tired from the changes. They're tired from the fighting. They're tired from the unrest. They're tired from loss being more than gained. Right? I told my wife last week, I said, man, it just seems like I experience way more loss than I do gain on all front. Whether that be something you have to address, you thought this was fixed, but it's really broken, and this comes up, and now that comes up, and this comes up, and you have to deal with this. It's like, like really, all right, already. We're just tired of it all, and really just existing from one day to the next. If I can just make it through today, then there's tomorrow. Or maybe it's if I just make it through this week, then there's the next week. It's just this only ability to handle the right now and barely the ability to handle the right now. Because we're just tired. What do I mean by thirsty? That the soul, the, the heart, desires something different. There's a thirst for something different than what we have right now. There's a thirst for something refreshing. Something that's just going to produce life in me instead of always taking and producing hardship or death or fighting or unrest. I just, I'm thirsty for something real that's going to refresh me. That's going to make me enjoy life. You know that all the industries associated with your typical vices are reporting increases in profits and sales. Do you know that when COVID hit, we all had to stay at home? We all laughed and joked that toilet paper and hand sanitizer was like black market items. Right? We were, we were laughing about it. But guess what else was in short supply? Flour, sugar, yeast. Because people just said, I want comfort food. And they just started baking. I saw a, a, a Facebook post from a friend of ours uh, who said, man, I'm under a lot of stress. I think I'll bake some banana bread. He's like, it always makes me feel better to bake banana bread. I don't know. But there's something we just want to eat. I'm so stressed out. Let's just eat. Right? And so food sales, the the flowers and the the baking items was on an all-time high. I forget, my wife and I were reading an article, the statistics 
of how many baking cookbooks there increased in sales this year. It was like in the triple digit increase. So like a 145% increase on baking, baking cookbooks. There's also the, the drug industry, alcohol industry, the porn industry. All of these industries are reporting record, record number of sales and profits for 2020. What does that say? It says we're out there. What we, what we have right now, we don't enjoy, we don't want it. We need something that's going to make us feel good, that's going to refresh us, that's going to lead us. So we look to whatever we can find. And unfortunately, what we know is that the, those things that are vices are very temporary. You get instant gratification, and then you, and then you have regret afterwards. Right? But still, it's better than feeling terrible. It's better... I mean, our minds play that way, right? It's better than just feeling this way. Well, Israel was in a similar place 2,000 years ago. For approximately 700 years, Israel had been dominated by other world powers. The Assyrians had had their crack at them, the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans were, were in their current uh, world power being governed by can you imagine not being able to be, your, you are your own people group with your own culture and your own desires and whatnot, but just being, no, being just governed for 700 years, not being allowed to govern yourself, having to pay taxes and homage and all these kinds of things to, to, a, to a power who really doesn't care about you. All they want from you is to pay your taxes and be quiet for 700 years. But then they also, in that context, their leaderships were, their leadership was spiritual leadership only because the actual governmental structures had been dismantled. So the only leadership they had locally were spiritual leaders. And these spiritual leaders were placing heavy expectations on the people. Really unrealistic expectations, keeping them in a position of, of need and, and oppression uh, over the things. They seemed to be disconnected with the real needs of the people. And just cared about maintaining their positions and their place of prominence and how they looked. That's all they really cared about. But the common person, man, just struggled every day. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And it's in this context that Jesus stands up and he says two immensely powerful things. The first in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says this, Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says in John chapter 7, verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Man. Can you imagine the crowd like, man, I'm weary, I'm tired. I'm tired of keeping the, the Roman people happy and I got to balance between what they want and expect of me and what I know my God wants and expects from me and my own life to live and then my religious leaders who really don't lead me spiritually at all, they just care about how they look and respond and all these kinds of things and I'm just tired. I'm burdened, carrying this burden and this I'm desiring something new. I thirst for something for real. And Jesus stands up and he says these two things. Now, both of these promises are metaphorical, meaning he's, he's, he's not actually saying 
uh, I'll give you a cup of water, although he would. He's not actually talking about the physical rest of somebody who's carrying maybe a backpack or a load of bricks and saying, hey, come here, let me take those off you, I'll give you a rest. He's talking, he's using these as examples. He's actually speaking of an inner weariness of the soul. An inner weariness of the soul where, man, I just can't take it anymore. And if you've ever done anything physically, you know when your body's done. Right? If you've worked out, you, you're pushing a muscle, whatever, and you get to a certain point and your body's like shaking, shaking, shaking. You're like, nope. Your body just said, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Which in weightlifting, that's a good thing because that's when your muscles build and all that stuff. But mentally, in our soul, we can say, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I'm too tired. I'm worn out. I just... I just, can't, I just can't handle it anymore. He's speaking of that from the soul. That the soul can get so dry and so parched that we just start living for today. Not caring about the future, seeing no hope moving forward. Our souls can just get in that condition where I'll just, I'll just respond to whatever comes my way. And Jesus stands up and he promises to give rest to those who are weary, to those who are carrying heavy burdens, to those who, who just want to give up. And he makes this promise. And a promise was for then and it's for, day, for today as well. I mean, do you carry a heavy burden? Is there a weariness of your soul where you're just, I'm, you know what, I'm just tired of all this. I just need something different. I mean, do you carry a burden in your heart for a deep desire for something to change, something to just be different. Jesus is promising to not only give us rest from these things, but he's promising to give life. And that's an amazing thing. You see, rest is like, oh, thank goodness, I can take a rest for a minute. But then he says, hey, I'm not only going to give you rest, I'm going to actually give you life to where you will be a producer of life to the people around you. Sign me up for that. Right? Sign me up for that. Because I would love to be a, an infuser of life to when people are around me like, man, I just feel better being around Steve. Right? Wouldn't you want that for your life? Like, man, Malcolm's like, man, when I'm around Malcolm, I just, I just feel better when I'm around Malcolm. He, he makes me feel good, right? Or put, put your name in the blank. Jesus is making these promises to you and to me. He made them then, and they were, they're eternal promises, meaning they weren't just for a specific group of people. They were a promise for all. But here's the catch. If you want these promises, if you want them to be yours, there's conditions. And in, in reality, everything that God promises us, there is a condition, always. And you say, well, that's... Uh, you know, isn't that, like, mean or rude? Well, not really. We, we I'm, I'm getting off my notes a bit here, but we've become so grace-heavy that we think that we just sit on the living room couch and Jesus comes by and just dishes out the promises like this. Here you go. Here you go. I'm your sugar daddy today. I'm going to keep you, I'm going to keep you going. And we just, thank you, Jesus. Right? Like, that's not him. 
He wants something from you. And everything he wants from you leads you to health. That's the key. You're like, oh, I can't believe he's asking me to do that. I can't believe he wants me to respond this way. Well, you're responding this way and you're following him leads you to the health you desire. But all his promises come with a condition, even his promise of salvation. Not everybody is saved. It's those who believe in him and confess with their mouth and follow after him that are saved. So see, even there, there's a condition. He paid the cost for your salvation, but there is a condition. You have to respond. And that's true with these promises as well. And I want to show you these this morning so that you too can cast your burdens on him so that you can find rest for your soul so that you can have your thirst quenched. First of all, I think the first thing that we see right away is both of them say, Jesus says, come to me and I will. See, that indicates what I'm just talking about. It's active. You you have to come to Jesus. He's not going to kick down the front door of your house and walk in and say, here, now I give this to you. It requires you to move. It requires you to seek. There's effort on your part. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but you got to get up off the couch and let him in. You have to come to Jesus. The world may tell you all kinds of things like, well, that's, he's not the only way. You can find that in here. You can find that in there. You can find that in there. And Jesus says, if you want the promise, come to me. You have to come to Jesus. Now, he, he gives us strength, he gives us hope, he comes in and he speaks to us in these kinds of things, but we do have to respond to it. The second thing is this. Both promises have Old Testament references that the hearer at the time would have known and understood. Okay? Because as an Israeli, if you were raised a, a, a Hebrew, a Jew... Uh, in school, you learned the Old Testament. You learned the law. You learned the prophets. You learned the Psalms. They were just part of your education. So when Jesus stands up and he makes reference to one, everybody knew what he was talking about, right? Just like uh, if you were raised in America and you went to an American school, when, when we stand up, if we make reference to to the Independence Day, the 4th of July, right? We, we, we kind of have a reference. We know what's being talked about. If we make references to the Civil War, or, or we, it's part of our history. We understand that. It's the same in Scripture. So I want to show you these connections. When Jesus makes a statement, he's referring to an Old Testament passage and the implications around that. So the first, let's look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Where Jesus makes the statement, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But he continues, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Oh, pause right there, that's a condition. Come to me, take my yoke. Right? That Jesus isn't just going to clamp a yoke on you if you don't want it. 
He says, take my yoke upon me. Well, what is a yoke? And there's lots of teachings that can't go in there, but basically, you are willingly subjecting yourself to the reign and rule of Christ. A yoke was where an ox and an animal would be yoked to pull a weight. And it was under the, the, the reign and the rule of the person doing the, the, um, the reins. And they would carry their weight. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke. Take my yoke and learn from me. Verse 30. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's, he's not just saying throw off everything and you're free with no burdens to bear, no, no cares in this world. He's like, no, no, no. Exchange the yoke you have now for mine. Because I want to give you rest for your souls. You say, well, what, what is that yoke he's talking about? This burden and this um, rest for your souls comparison. Look at Jeremiah 6.16. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So what is Jesus saying when he when he makes reference to Jeremiah 6 as it relates to this, he's, he's saying, he's proclaiming that he is the good way that Jeremiah is talking about. My burden will give you rest for your souls. He's saying, I'm the good way that Jeremiah proclaimed and spoke about. And that if you will seek me, if you will stand at the crossroads and look, right, which is the right path to go in, if you will seek me and then you will walk in my ways, you will do what I'm commanding you to do, you will do where I'm leading you to do, then you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus isn't talking about a physical rest. Sometimes if you're physically tired, you just need to take a nap. You need to find the time, stop doing some things, and go get some physical rest. Jesus can't help you with that. You manage your own time. But when it comes to an inner rest where your soul is just in turmoil, like I'm just tired of all the burdens I'm carrying, I'm tired of all the cares, I'm tired of all the the stuff, Jesus says, hey, follow me. Follow my ways. Believe what I tell you. Do what I tell you. And your, your soul will be, you will find rest in your soul. The, the weight of your sin, the weight of your decisions, the, the confusion in your mind, the, the, all of these things, if you'll come to me and you'll believe me and follow me, your soul will, will find rest. It's not just doing nothing. It's actually deciding. And, and, and can, I, can I say here, we're not talking about, you know, Jesus, I'll do 50% of what you say, and the other 50%... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve for me. He's like, no, me? He's just saying, you've got to follow all of me. You might find some rest in your soul if you just adopt some principles of your life, of Jesus in your life, and follow those things. Like, ah, oh, my life got a little better. But the rest that God is talking about will elude you. Let me 
explain this, because I think when Jesus talks about thirst, he addresses this as well. In John chapter 7, verse 37, um, we read, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And then in verse 38, here's the condition. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them, from within them. Hmm. So when we have to believe in him, as Scripture says, not, I just believe in Jesus and the Jesus I've made up in my mind and in my heart. Right? We, we, we can have a tendency to do that. Well, the, the Jesus in, in the Bible, I like these parts about Jesus and that's what I'm going to believe, but these parts about Jesus, eh, I don't really like those, so I'm going to choose to not follow those. He says, as Scripture has said, then the rivers of living water will flow from within them. What does he mean, as Scripture has said? Remember, there was no New Testament at this time. They only had the Old Testament. He's referring to Isaiah chapter 58. And this has long been a favorite Scripture of mine. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to read verses 3 through 11 and break it down. Because verse 11 is where he talks about the spring of living water, but there's all the buildup to that. You see, in verse 58, it's titled True Fasting, but it's, it's talking about the worship of God. And, and, and God's defining the kind of worship that he is looking for. And in verse 3, it says this, Why have we fasted, they say, he's talking about the nation of Israel within them, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So it's this lament to God, like, God, we've, we're fasting, we're doing our religious acts. You don't seem to care. All this crazy stuff's going on. We're, I'm doing what I think what I'm supposed to do, right? And Jesus responds with this, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. What is, what is God's argument with them? They're arguing, hey, we're fasting, we're coming to church, we're doing what we're supposed to do, and you're not listening. Nothing's changing. And God says, you're... You, you're you're fasting, you're saying that you follow after me, but you're doing evil. You're, you're worship, you say you're worshiping me, but it's not changing your life at all. You're not living how I'm leading. You're just giving me lip service. Verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only one day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? One day acceptable to the Lord? So God's saying, hey, so you're just picking one day to kind of fast and worship me, and then the rest of the time you're just living however you want to? That's not what what he's talking about. And then he goes on, this is the kind of fasting that he expects. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. Now he's talking about what he expects his people to be doing. To loose the chains of injustice. And untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. 
Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. What is, when you collectively put all of these things together, what is God telling them? If you will do what? If you will love people. You see, if I love you and I see you naked, I can't just walk away from you and say, oh well. Love, love drives me to do something about it. Love drives me to give you my best, whatever that is. Like, hey, I don't have much, but uh, I got a shirt you could have. Like, right, it, it, it drives us. If we see people being oppressed and mistreated, there's something within us, if we love them, that rises up and says, uh-uh-uh, no more. You know how I know this? If you ever see a little kid being picked on and their mom witness it, Right? Come on, moms. Come on, moms, right? You can be like, oh, we'll let Johnny handle it. He needs to toughen up. Like, no. Every mom I know is like, get off my kid. Right? You're just... Right, mom, beat that little kid up. We had an instance here once in the school where, where something happened between two kids, and the next day the mom came in and she sat in the classroom. Where's this kid who touched my kid or, or, you know, we got into a little, they got in a thing the day before. I'm like, whoa, what are you going to do to him? He's four. <laughs> but, but she was heated. You ain't going to touch my kid. Why? Because she loves that kid. And love doesn't just let you turn, turn, turn your eye and walk away. So he's really saying, if you love people well, he's describing what it looks like to love people well. If you'll do these things, then your, your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. We don't understand what a sun-scorched land is. A sun-scorched land, if you've ever seen pictures of a place where the, it had rain and there was grass, but then they hadn't seen it in a while and the ground is all cracked and big divots and everything's dried and fallen over. Like, that's a sun-scorched land. Now, imagine your, your life comparatively. Like, sometimes my life feels like a sun-scorched land. Like, it rained one time. There was life here at one point, but now it's just a bunch of dried cracks everywhere. Right? He says... He will satisfy you in, an, in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen you. And here's the promise that he quoted. You will be like a well-watered watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's who you will be. 
if you follow him as scripture says. That's his promise. That's the condition. This is, you will be a source of life for others. Your needs will be satisfied. You'll be well watered and taken care of, but you will be a source of life for other people. And guess what? It doesn't come from believing in yourself. So many people are depressed and full of anxiety because they're trying to believe in themselves. It sounds good on paper. It looks good on a coffee mug. But you know what? I let myself down a lot. I fail me a lot. There are days I wake up and I don't feel like doing anything. Especially in a COVID world. Well, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do today. I guess I'll just let the day come and I'll respond to whatever happens today. I don't wake up feeling like, I want to go like just, take on the world like every day. I don't believe in me. I believe in Jesus Christ who is in me. And that if I follow his ways, the way scripture tells me to, then I believe that promise will be true. And I know you may go, oh, sometimes, you know, it's just a, sometimes I, I talked to somebody this week who's not here today, and they're like, I just feel better talking to you. Thank you. I, my mind is relieved. And I'm, I'm like, that's, that's Jesus. That's not me. Now, we all have personalities and can be funny and can be happy and those kinds of things, but you can't consistently be that in every situation that you walk through in life. But in Christ, you can. And it comes when we, we follow after him as he said. When Jesus says, come to me, all who are thirsty. And I will give you, uh, I will, I will give you water to drink. Come to me, all who are weary and tired. And I will give you rest. Jesus is saying if we will live as he lived, if we will do as he does, we will be that source of life. But these promises come with contingencies. The contingencies of us believing and following Jesus in word and action. Then our weariness will be relieved then our thirst will be quenched. You see, the answer to our weary and thirsty souls is Jesus Christ. And, and that might sound like a, like a Sunday school kind of answer to you, like, oh, I've been, that's like a cliche kind of thing. But he's not just saying, uh, if, if you believe in Jesus, if you go to church, then your weariness will be gone. That's not what is being said here. That's not the promise to you, and that's, unfortunately for many of us, that's the lie we've been told. If you just in your mind say, yeah, I believe that Jesus existed, and you know, I go to church when it's convenient for me, that doesn't unlock any, any of God's promises for you. It feels to me a bit like a marketing scheme to fill churches. That's what it feels like to me. Real life is found when you adopt what Jesus said, you believe as scriptures say, 
and you put that into action in your life of loving God and loving people, and you just walk in that way. I've given the analogy so many times here. Some might get offended. It's like the poker analogy. You, you've seen the movies. Maybe you've watched it in the, in the ESPN or whatever, and at some point, somebody has this hand, and they're like, oh, this is the best it's ever going to get. And they say, I'm all in, and they cash in all of their chips on the one hand, right? And they're going to live or die on that one hand. That's Jesus. That's your response to him. When you see Jesus, he's your hand. This is, this is as good it could, as it could ever get. I'm all in. Whatever you want, Jesus, whatever you need me to do, Jesus, whatever you need me to think, Jesus, whatever I need to get rid of in my life, Jesus, I'm all in. I am all in. And guess what? When we're all in, he's all in. And the promises of God just start flowing through our life. Now, what does this mean? This, this doesn't mean that you never have hard days. This, this never means that you're happy all the time. This never means that you never face giants in your life that you have to fight through and work hard to overcome. That's not what this means. This means, what it means is that your soul will never get tired when you're all in. It means that even when you feel physically tired, you're actually refreshing to the people around you. It means that God comes in you and does a change in you that produces way more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. His promise means that you can have an inner rest in every situation in your life, regardless of what you're walking through, regardless of what you're fighting, regardless of what you're celebrating. There can be an inner rest that you know it's going to be okay. You know that God's got you. You know it's, it's Jesus I'm following. It's not my own creative ideas. It's not a political party. It's not a specific ideology. It's I'm following Jesus. And Jesus leads me beside still waters. Jesus leads me through the valley of the shadow of darkness. Jesus leads me to life everlasting. And in the midst of it all, my soul is at rest because he's with me and I'm with him. Twenty twenty has left us tired. In some capacity. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. My challenge to us today is lean all in to Christ. You say, Well, what do you what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is We have to believe in him as scripture says, which means we have to know scripture, right? Which means we have to read our Bible. And if you've read your Bible before, then you have to study it deeper. And and what the study does is it makes these connections. It makes the connections like, how did I know that that what Jesus said in Matthew is what he was referring to in Jeremiah? Well, I had to study. But when when you find that, you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. You make these connections 
about God and what he's saying actually opens up a little more to you so you understand. We have to, we have to know, but you, we, have to, we have to believe. We have to lean on him. We have to say, well, God, how, how would you respond in this situation? This, this social media post, this argument I'm getting to when there was somebody about conspiracy theorists or vaccines or pick any number of a million things that people can argue about today, right? What's my proper response, God? How should I feel about this? How should I respond with this? How, the tension in my family and what's going on, how, Lord, show me how you would respond. And see, when, when that becomes our heart, that is the definition of inviting, of coming to Christ. I'm, I'm coming to him with my everything. I'm coming to him with my problems. I'm coming to him with my identity. I'm coming to him with my gifts. I'm coming to him with everything. I'm saying, Lord, teach me and show me your ways, how to, how to live this life the way you, you crafted it to. And then he leads you. And then you find you're walking in the promises. That's what it means. It means being all in. Church, as we close, here I just challenge you. As we enter this new year, and if you find yourself tired, if you find yourself thirsty, know there's not a quick fix. You're not going to walk out of here and say all of a sudden, oof, pastor made me have goosebumps and Everything's going to be okay now for 2021 because guess what? Tomorrow morning is going to happen. This is, this is a marathon promise. Not a quick fix. And not instant gratification. We commit our lives to, to believing in Christ and following him and we don't look back and we just keep walking forward in him. And then one day somebody says to us, you know what? Every time I'm around you, you just, it just changes me. And you go, huh, yeah, that wasn't me before. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're living there. You realize my soul isn't always run, running around looking. And so I pray that when you leave this place that, that the Holy Spirit uses today's words to encourage you to just bring your weariness and your thirst to Jesus Christ. And if you're physically tired, call in sick and sleep all day. Like, like find some, just get some rest. That always changes things. Some nights I'm like Mr. Grumpy. My wife's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I'm going to bed. And I wake up next morning like, hey, I feel great today. I was just tired. It, it affects us. It affects us. Sometimes you just need a good nap. But if a nap isn't solving your problems, I challenge you to bring it to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't want to just believe in you. I want to follow you. And what does that look like? And as you follow him, you'll begin to see the change in your life. As you spend time hearing his word and reading his word and understanding how he feels about you and how he speaks about you, you'll begin to discover the spiritual realm where you are just at rest in him. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that you came you, and you came for, for not just a transaction. Like You didn't come just to pay our debt 
and then go back to heaven, and now we're on our own. But Lord, you came to, to give us rest from our burdens. You came to quench our thirst. And Lord, every one of us in this room have carried heavy burdens. Every one of us in this room have been thirsty for something refreshing and something real. And Lord, you stood up and you made this proclamation to an entire city. If you're weary and burdened, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. And today, Lord, I pray that every one of us in this hearing, whether they be in this room or online, would take you at your word and say, I am weary. I am thirsty. So, Lord, I come to you and I ask you to give me rest and to quench my thirst and to make me a river of living water for you. Lord, I pray that everybody who takes you at your word and comes to you, Lord, would find these things in you and that we would stay there, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we go into 2021, we would be a, we would be a people of the word who know you, who read our word, who study our word and come to an understanding of who you are and our minds and our hearts are opened. And I pray that we'd be a people of your spirit who are in communion with you, who are led by you, who are in relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for your power that's available to us. We ask you, Lord, for it to work through us. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen, church. We love you. Hope you have a, a, a great week. Stay close to God. Keep your ear out for um, Bible study coming up, and feel free to take whatever books you want off that back table um, and enjoy them.